0: This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3227 for Tuesday the 15th of December 2020. Today's show is entitled, Freshwater Aquarium Basics. It is hosted by Enigma, and is about 26 minutes long, and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, Enigma discusses the high-level basics of getting into the aquarium hobby.
1: This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org.
0: Welcome to another episode of HBR, I'm your host Enigma, and today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about freshwater aquarium basics, um, and how I got into the hobby, and kind of a high level of what you should be concerned about getting your first aquarium, and we're going to be talking through some challenges I've had from um, an aquarium keeper perspective. So... I got into the hobby. My dad was was really into um, larger fish tanks, um, and he got me my first tank when I was twelve or thirteen. Um, I had a smaller uh, tank at first. I got a, a ten gallon or about a thirty eight liter tank, um, and then I got larger tanks as I as I got older. But basically, my my teenage years, um, we had a fish tank, and I was super into um, some of the larger fish. And and fish that were a little bit more aggressive in nature, and we'll we'll talk about pitfalls there, and kind of my my perspective on that, um, maybe in a, another show. Anyway, so as I became an adult, and um, when I bought my house about five years ago, I wanted a, a larger tank, um, larger display tank in my in my uh, dining room, and I ultimately chose um, a 55 gallon or about a 208 liter tank, um, that was, um, going to be my display tank. And I wanted to replicate what I did as a child and kind of get some of more more of my aggressive fish. And again, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell us another story about that whole experience, um, and choosing the wrong thing, maybe in another show. Um, but anyway, so, one things so the first thing that you need to decide and some things that I didn't do very well when I first got into the hobby were picking uh the the fish before I picked the tank meaning uh, you should choose what you're going to store in the tank and then kind of determine everything else based on on that um because people get into a habit of buying too small of a tank for the fish that they're going to uh, to uh, store so you, you end up with a scenario of either the fish just dies because it's not cared for well because it's too big or you get a scenario of having one fish in the tank because it eats everything else because you know it's very territorial and blah 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 um, so size and the type of fish are very important when deciding you know, what you want to do and, and kind of your budget on everything else that comes after that. The next thing you should probably decide is what kind of uh, substrate or what's going to be on the bottom of your tank. So there are options such as gravel, sand, um, there's clay... There's uh, even some people have dirt bottoms where it's, it's literally like potting soil. Um, it, those, those type of things uh, you normally would put on the bottom of your tank. And there's pluses and minuses to each of those things. Um, if, if I was going to recommend something for a uh, new, new person that was getting into the hobby probably would go gravel unless um their choice of fish dictated differently um again do your research on your fish see what it um will handle or what what it will um like the best um most of your starter fish really don't care too much so a gravel tank is perfectly fine next thing you should uh really worry about is your filtration so you have some options here whether it's a hang on the back or hob filter Uh, hob is short for hang on the back Um, a canister or a sponge filter and there's some other options that are more advanced but we'll say those are your three main uh, options hang on the back is primarily what uh, most of the aquarium kits uh, give you they're the cheapest option Uh, and and for most part those work the best most of my tanks i think all of my tanks right now have uh hang on the back filtration i have a couple of canisters that i'm going to install and that's one of the projects i'm going to be working on when i'm on vacation next week um and i might do a video of that and and or even an audio uh podcast for hbr to kind of talk through how that works um might be an interesting thing but anyway Um, So hang on the back is probably going to be your choice, And again, unless you're looking to a specific use case or looking to do a a little bit different. So your canister filters are, you have more control over what type of media you use to filtrate. Basically, how the canister works is the, the water comes out of the tank goes into this little container which is called the canister and then filters back into your to your tank through you know and it's a pump mechanism um it gives you the ability to a it looks better because you can hide most of the of the the um the intake and outtake um but it also gives you the ability to control what type of media that's filtering your water and they have lots and oodles of, of different options there. Um, but again, that requires a lot more research, kind of your specific use case, and it potentially could be drilling your tank depending on if you want to hide the, the the intake and the, the outtake. Um, so if you're going to go that route, make sure you do your research. A sponge filter um, is basically just essentially a sponge with a um with an airline attached to it now this is good for if you're breeding fish or you're have some fish that are really small that might get sucked up into either a canister or hang on the back um sometimes people do this with like freshwater shrimp or um other smaller creatures um the problem with a sponge filter is you don't get the filtration that you get with the other options. Uh, Basically all of the, the bacteria and all of this, the stuff gets attached to the sponge and, but it's still within the tank Um, with the hang on the back option and the canister filter, the, um, the fish waste and other things, other particles get actually pulled out and into a filter medium, a, a cartridge. Um, or in the case of a canister, it's completely removed from the tank in the actual canister itself. So with sponge filters, water chemistry does become a bit of a problem depending on how dirty your tank is and some of the other, some of the other um, ammonia level, pH level, things like that might um, be affected if you go strictly sponge. And you would just keep an eye on it. There's test kits and things you can do with that next the next two things that you should probably consider are heater heaters and lighting um and i talk about these because i feel as a new hobbyist they're less important than some of the other things that you'll uh run across so heaters again depending on your use case of fish certain fish like hotter uh water than other fish um other things you could you could technically not use a filter at all In my tanks at home, I think I have 11 or so, and most of them are small on the smaller end. They're um, what we call nano aquariums. They're less than 38 liters or 10 gallons. Um, And I'm growing like, or I'm breeding like shrimp and uh, some of live bears, like guppies, mollies, and such. I don't have uh, any heaters on them. Uh, I live in Florida, so the water does not get. Uh, chilly enough where it really affects my uh, my fish at all, so I'm not really worried about a heater. Um, I do have one tank uh, and I have a couple of blood parrots um, that just like the heater, so I so I put in a heater and they're they're happy. So again, your mileage may vary depending on what type of fish you uh, you keep. So on the lighting side, again, this is more of an aesthetic pleasing, um, item unless you're doing live plants. Most of my tanks have live plants in them. I could go into a whole rant and, and, um, episode on live plants alone. It's definitely a science and a, and a water chemistry, um, type, uh, conversation when you're talking about plants because you're, you're talking about nitrates and them having the right, um, fertilizer and, and how, what type of plant it is and all of those those things you need to consider if you're starting out in the hobby i wouldn't recommend live plants or get something that's pretty robust because you're going to go through live plants pretty quickly just doing trial and error Um, the benefits of having live plants though is it's it's a natural filter for your for your water so you don't necessarily have to worry about uh, a nitrate spike, and nitrates uh, basically are due to fish waste, and there's uh, nitrates and nitrites, um, and both at extreme levels are harmful for the aquarium life. Um, My tanks, the reason my tanks all have live plants is because, again, natural filter, takes care of it however i've went through a significant number of live plants because if you don't have enough nitrates in your water and you don't and you don't have enough lighting what happens is the plants die and if you have plants dying on you then you're automatically going to get those uh, nitrate spikes because decaying matter as, as a whole messes up water chemistry so, you know, again, as I'm going to put a, disc- a big disclaimer on this, do your research. Um, with my lighting, I usually get fairly uh, inexpensive lighting. You can go to the extreme. Um, there are things out there where you can... Um, lighting lighting options where, you, where they're Bluetooth enabled, Wi-Fi enabled where you can control them all from your, your smartphone, you know, an app like that. Um, I may get into that and may try some options with some of my tanks with um, a project that I've been trying to trying to get on, on board. Um, it's uh, basically controlling your entire aquarium from a Raspberry Pi. Um, I may do that in the future. At this point, for this particular episode, I'd say go with the lighting option that visually appeals to you um normally with the kits um that you you'll buy the aquarium kits like the 10 gallon options and even the the uh, larger tanks they're gonna end up giving you an led light that isn't really visually appealing so more than likely if you buy a kit you're going to be replacing that lighting eventually i say that but i have two tanks in my um in my house that have the original um aquarium lighting that I have not replaced yet. So again I would I would say do what makes you happy there and and pick the light that works for you. So when you have your tank and you have it all set up, you know, you also want to put this tank in a place that's not around a window um you're gonna find if you put it in uh, an area that has a lot of natural light, you're gonna have trouble with algae, trouble with um, getting your tank balanced. You set it up in a in a good place. You get it on the stand. You make sure your stand can hold the weight. There's places you know on the internet that you can uh, look up the weight re- uh, restrictions. There's kits out there that come with stands. Um, I have a. Um, A hardware store basically uh rack for my for my tanks in my office um they hold about a thousand pounds per shelf and I've got probably five tanks on that um but I did my my homework and I made sure that each shelf um had the appropriate um strength to hold not only the tank but the the substrate and the water that's within the tank um, and there's calculators out there on the internet that you can do for that. So make sure your your tank is strong or your stand is strong enough for the tank, um, and it's not going to like fall through or bow or whatever. Don't put it on a uh, TV stand. Um, you're more than likely going to f- it's going to fall through. Um, don't put it on you know some some rinky-dink stand that. Uh, can hold 50 pounds because I can guarantee you, unless it's a, a two-gallon aquarium or a very small aquarium, it's probably not going to uh, hold the weight. So make sure you do that. You're gonna fill. You're gonna put your substrate in. Uh, recommendations here is always wash your substrate unless it specifically tells you to not. So if you're gonna buy like your gravel, for example, you want to put that in a bucket. And rinse it really well with water before you put it into the aquarium. What will happen if you don't do that is your your tank will be very cloudy um straight out the gate and I particularly um would rather that dirt and that debris that comes on the gravel to be out of my tank rather than in my tank. It just delays the process. It's not saying everything's going to die when you're um You know, if you don't do that, but best practice, wash your gravel. So you can get that set up, put in your heater, put if if applicable, put on your light, um, and then you're gonna you're gonna let that tank cycle. Oh, put your filtration in. You're gonna let that tank cycle for probably a week to two weeks, um, and just let the filter run. Let the you know turn your light on and off. Just give it a good cycle. Before you put any fish in it, um, you're also going to put in a dechlorinator. Most of the places in the US, um, the, you have uh, chlorine naturally in your water, um, and there's a couple of um, good products out there. I recommend Prime. Um, again, I'm not sure overseas. Um, outside of the U.S. if that that is a brand that uh, you would use but in the U.S. um, I pick up a bottle of prime it's uh, for a decent sized bottle it's about fourteen dollars and that's going to be your dechlorinator and anytime you do a water change you put water in your tank you're going to want to put a whatever dose of prime that it recommends and it's usually per gallon or per liter into the tank to essentially take the chlorine out of the water And this is to protect the fish, make sure that you don't have things going into your tank that um, would be um, uh, damaging to your tank. So then, after a couple of weeks that it's set up and cycling and whatever, um, you're going to go pick out your fish. And hopefully by this time you've done your research and... Um, really determined what type of fish you want to get and you don't go in and pick out the, uh, the cutest fish or the one that you know speaks to you in the, in the store. Do your homework. Make sure you uh, know what you're going in for. Don't just go off the cuff. A um, couple of recommendations here if you're just starting out. Try the live bearer route, uh, guppies, mollies, um, things like that would be a a good choice they're pretty hardy um they're they're pretty uh stable it's not going to be a a huge dollar number if if they perish or you know you you have some issues right out the gate um but I would go something pretty inexpensive at first um, because you're going to make mistakes going into this so once you've picked out your fish, you get them home, you um, either go one of two routes. You're going to either drip acclimate them or you're going to uh, essentially float the bag on the top of the tank. Most, um, if you, most places recommend a drip acclimation route where you're basically dripping a, a little bit of the water into a container with the with the new animal in it to kind of get the chemistry right floating the bag means literally floating the the bag that they came in on the in in the tank to get the the temperature right and the idea of both methods is to make sure that the fish aren't shocked going right into the tank um in this method i almost always recommend drip acclimation for hardier fish it's probably not going to make much of a difference but get in good habits. There's places on um, the internet that you can uh, get the little uh, valve for the drip acclimation. Um, I might leave a note in the show notes for this particular process. And I'm going to also put in a couple of kits that um, aren't bad for starters in the show notes. So once you've gotten the fish into the tank and, and it's all happy and you're, you know, you get what you're looking for, now, how do you maintain it? So, a couple of things here, and, and we've gotten a little longer than I wanted, so we'll leave it at this, is um, your tank maintenance is a number one priority for you. So, if you get into the hobby and you get your tank set up, um, most people fail when, they, when they're not doing their tank maintenance. Um, and there's lots of chatter on the internet on what tank maintenance looks like. I feel it's a tank-by-tank basis meaning one tank you may go a year and not have to do anything to it other tanks you have to you have to touch every um, week and typically your larger tanks so if you get up in that 208 liter range or even bigger cuz there's there's bigger tanks than that you have to do less to them and it makes sense because you if you have more water the water chemistry is more stable. The it takes a lot more uh, fish waste and and food to um, to damage the water chemistry. So bigger, usually the bigger the tank, the less maintenance. However, when you do maintenance, it's more work. So I don't know if there's a balance. Um, smaller tanks. If you get under that size, that the uh, thirty-eight liter range. 10-gallon uh, range, you're going to be doing maintenance pretty consistently because you have less water to deal with, thus the, the water chemistry can be uh, go wonky on you in a hurry. Pick up a good test kit. I'm going to leave a test kit in the uh, notes. Uh, there's a master kit. It's like $30 US. Um, not real expensive, and you get a lot of use out of it. Check your water uh, regularly. Um, also do your research on what type of food your fish like um typically you can get away with most live bears and and other um common fish you can get away with flake food um that's not necessarily saying that flake food is the best for the fish but it won't you know damage your fish too too much now if you get more exotic fish you're gonna have to um get different types of food, whether that be, uh, live food, whether that be, um, frozen food, those type of things. And I may do a, if folks are interested, I may do a show just about the different types of fish food and kind of the pluses and minuses on tank maintenance, um, because certain fish food are dirtier or can do more damage to water chemistry than other types of food, um, and then other types of fish food have other downsides. So it depends. Mileage may vary. Um, but get the type of fish food that works for your fish and make sure, you know, just about what, um, how often you should feed your fish. Uh, most people, when they get into the hobby, they're going to overfeed the tank, and that's going to damage water chemistry and make you do more maintenance to the tank. So know kind of your fish's habits um, and, and kind of what type of feeding regimen you want to put in place. And the biggest thing on tank maintenance is water changes. And, and most people debate on whether you should do a water change or not. And what I mean by water change is literally taking water out of your tank um, potentially vacuuming the bottom of your tank, getting all of the fish waste out of there and all the debris out of there, and then putting new water back in. Um, my recommendation is that you should, you know, tank maintenance is the the best way to correct problems that you have in your tank. And if I notice that I've gotten, you know, some algae on the tank or I've got some some things growing in the tank that I didn't really account for, I'm going to do a water ma- water change in my tank. And that doesn't mean take out all the water. Um, because again, you've got to worry about the actual fish balance and them being used to the water chemistry that's in the current tank. You want to make sure that your fish is happy, that you um, take out enough water to make a difference. And this is usually less than 50% of your water change. You can get uh, extreme with it and, and take out more, um, and usually be okay. But I recommend usually anywhere between 25 and 30% at a standard interval, whether that be weekly, whether that be bi-weekly, whether that be monthly, you know, and I've had tanks that I haven't touched in six months. Um, Typically, what I try to do on the majority of my tanks is a bi-weekly schedule where I'm taking out about 25% of the water and replacing it with new. And I'm also doing uh, vacuums on the bottom of the tank, and I'll leave a a vacuum that I use um, in the show notes. It's called a Python, um, not the programming language. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's really good, and you can hook it up to your... Um, water spigot or your, your water um, your sink and you can uh, push water into the tank and also siphon uh, water out of the tank all in one shot. So it's really nice um, most people in the hobby use it and it works out for, for us pretty well. And on that note I think I've talked at a high level about all the topics I wanted today so I'm going to leave it with that. Um, if you guys have questions, you can, uh, come see me in, in uh, IRC on, uh, hashtag, uh, Planet on Freenode, or, um, I've got a new channel called, um, hashtag HackerExchange, and I have a show that I'm going to be releasing that explains, uh, the Hacker Exchange concept. Um, or you can email me at eth0enigma at gmail.com. Have a great day, guys, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday.